This is playing into what we see in the market because the use of soft pass by some of our customers is far greater than some of our other customers because it is a product that needs careful implementation. It's for those use cases where it lends itself, particularly when it's in somebody's workflow. So we're trying to take it beyond simply here's a, here's a terminal. It's not much more now about helping customers really look at how do we take this technology and how do you take that underlying capability and put it into workflows. So that's that's where, where the opportunity and and where the state of the art is right now. You're listening to Leaders in Payments and Fintech, a podcast brought to you by Edgar Dunn & Company, the global payments and fintech consulting firm. Coming to you from the City of London, I'm your host, Martin Kodrish. And in this series, I'm meeting with leaders and practitioners across the industry to find out what it takes to bridge the gap between strategy and execution. My central question is, how can we commercialize and bring the benefits of ever deeper new technology to market in what continues to be a highly regulated industry? If you enjoy these interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. So enough of the intro, let's get straight into today's episode. This week, we meet with Barry Levitt, CEO of MyPinPad. MyPinPad is a global leader in secure payments acceptance and personal authentication solutions using smartphones and tablets. Their proprietary and globally patented technology secures and protects the input of sensitive information on touchscreens, creating a trusted environment. Barry was previously founder of SmartPaser, which merged with MyPinPad in 2022. In our conversation, we discussed the merger and Barry shares his perspective on the state of SoftPass payments, including channel conversions and the need for deeper integration into workflows and processes. So I do hope you enjoy this conversation with Barry. Welcome to the podcast. I'm really pleased to be joined by Barry Levitz, um, CEO of MyPinPad. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, very good. Thanks for having me, Mike. You're calling uh, in from Singapore, I believe. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, we're, we're running a, um, what's what may be the, the world's smallest global organization. Um, so I'm CEO out of out of Singapore for a UK-based company with operations on every continent um, except for Antarctica, but we are working on that one. Um, you know, we span um, 14 countries now in terms of employee base. So yeah, but um, I'm based in Singapore. So yeah, I mean, we, there's a lot to get through and talk about and discuss. So maybe just kick off with a, a just a, a brief personal introduction. Um, of yourself and, and then also of, of my pin pad. Yeah. So my background originally is um, in, actually in finance. Uh, so I'm, you might hear from the accent. I'm, I'm from South Africa, uh, born and bred, um, studied finance, uh, became a chartered accountant um, at, you know, back, in, back in the day, um, did investment banking and so on. But I've always had a tech uh, bent uh, to myself. And I... Um, uh, in 2014, I had the opportunity of, of with a co-founder, creating a company called SmartPesa. So I founded that company from, from scratch um, and took it um, into a number of other countries, doing tap to phone, what we call soft pass, um, as well as you know, MPOS and agency banking type uh, solutions, particularly into Southeast Asia, but also into Africa. Um, one of the, the, the personal missions has been about driving financial inclusion in emerging market. Um, so that was some of the, 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 the drive behind creating the, 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 the smart pay um, business. But, but also it was a you know, personal mission to, to create something, something of, an, of a tech, tech mindset, but, but also an entrepreneurial mindset. My pin pad was a, a, a competitor that we kept coming across as wearing the smart pay hat. 
And we seem to be, you know, amongst the top um, companies vying with each other for um, um, to the same cu customers. Um, quite often against each other in RFPs. Um, and so it was a case of if you can't beat them, join them. So in 2022, so last year, we did a merger between SmartPesa and MyPinPad, um, which has gone um, very well. And post that merger, I took over as, as group CEO. So MyPinPad was founded two years before SmartPesa. So it's founded in 2012. Uh, by a Welshman, uh, and hence the the UK um, origination and and global headquarters of of the MyPinPad Group. Um, but like uh, like SmartPesa, operate completely globally. We've got customers literally around the world, every continent, um, and we specialize in in doing you know payment acceptance solutions, you know for for large uh, large customers and small customers. Um, are trying to find sort of state of the art of the, of the latest uh, type um, to be able to accept payments, equip merchants to accept payments. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, maybe just elaborate a bit more on the actual proposition. Yeah. So, my PinPad and, and SmartPesa were doing very much the same things, and particularly right. in the space of SoftPass. And so, what SoftPass is 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 um, it it allows merchants to accept card payments. Um, so, so Visa. Um, MasterCard and Discover, etc., um, on their own mobile phone. So literally the same phone they use to make phone calls, look at Snapchat, all the rest. That exact same same phone can become a payment terminal. So both companies were doing that and were offering that in, in to a number of uh, other companies. So as you can imagine, there's a lot of synergies between the two companies. We're doing basically similar sorts of development, slightly different stacks. Um, but the same sort of thing. The the business is also a very uh, regulated business. Mm. Um, we have a lot of compliance requirements, uh, uh, payment card industry, PCI requirements. Um, and so there's a lot of sort of duplicate costs, not just development costs, um, but, but actually operational costs that you can um, uh, look to eliminate when you, in, when you unify the two businesses. Um, so the logic around the merger is, is quite compelling. You know, two companies doing very, very much the same sort of thing um, in the top of, of the industry so that the, 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 the solutions themselves are quite advanced. And it makes sense to then say, okay, well, let's not compete. Let's unify and then we can build a better system. What we discovered post-merger was we could take the best of both technologies. So rather than try and take one and, and migrate into the others uh, and unify it, what we discovered was we could take the learnings of both companies and really develop a, a very, very high performance new system based on the learnings from both companies. So that was um, you know, a, a, an interesting outcome post-merger. Um, and it's not always the easiest thing to decide to do, which is, you know, okay, let's not look to eliminate cost immediately. Let's, let's look to really produce the next generation, you know, very high performance system, which is what we actually did. Good. Barry, there's a couple of really interesting points there, right? There's, a, you know, the M&A side of things, and which I think is particularly relevant currently with an expectation around rationalization and consolidation across the fintech sector. So what does it take? What are the lessons learned in terms of successfully merging two 
tech companies, and you've already touched on, on, on that, be interesting to go in a bit more detail. And then secondly, all around softpods and the future of softpods um, and what you've discovered and what you can share about the implementation of, of softpods solutions. Maybe we can kick off with the, the first topic. Um, and so, you, you know, so, maybe you can just elaborate on the choices you made post-merger, not necessarily to build a new platform, which perhaps might be sort of initially quite unusual um, in, in, the, yeah. in the M&A setting. Well, the, the, I mean, books are written about, you know, how do you do, how do you do mergers, right? And yeah. they're always done from different viewpoints. The one viewpoint is, you know, how do you do the actual transaction? All right. the due diligence and all the rest of the thing that. And, you know, a number, a number of uh, entities, you know, get involved as part of that. It's, you know, it's quite clinical. The logic around it, um, you know, as, as, as mentioned, makes a lot of sense. You're, you're trying to, you know, keep, keep the revenues, reduce the cost and so on. But the actual interesting part, you know, from a, from a managerial and, and a founder point of view is, is the people in the product side. Um, mm. It's very much a change process. It's, it's an adaption for everybody. Absolutely everybody top to top to bottom because we now got different products that they've never seen before. Individuals and they've worked with people that have a lot of experience. And it can be a fearful time for 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 people. Um and the the part to tackle there, I think from a from an empathy point of view, is understand that there's a time of fear and then get people to also understand it's a time of real opportunity. Because you're taking two entities which are at the top of the game, creating an entity which is clear, clear leader in that space, or should be a clear leader in the space. So you know the 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 merger part from 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 the human and the, and, the, and the managerial side was extremely interesting. We, you know we 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 tackled that one. Well, we were fortunate in that we didn't actually need to you know do mass retrenchments or etc. Because um, there was you know kind of good. Good cost control, particularly on 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 the smart pace of side. So there was, um, we didn't have that kind of problem. But you still have a, you know, what is this new entity? What are the values? What are the goals of this new entity? You know, a real sort of managerial and change management side. So that's been that's been very interesting. We've tried to do that as well as look at the product uh, the product side as well. Um, uh, it's been a um, a a I think a very successful transformation. Uh, um, in that we've managed to turn, and there's a bunch of ways in which did that, you know, open engagement with staff and, and, and stakeholders about what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build and why. Um, so I think from that point of view, it's been sort of ter- terrifically successful. From a raw integration point of view, as mentioned, we, we didn't look to see you know, okay, let's not have a, a, a proverbial fight between the, you know, different camps from the origination on the MPP yeah. side and the SP side. Let's look as all engineers or which in each component, which who's done this thing really well. Right. And then what, what was the benefits out of that? Or, you know, what were the minuses about doing that? If we were to do this together, how would we do this? Um, one of the focuses that came out quite quickly as part of the merger is that SmartPesa had always had an SDK first type strategy. My pin pad had much more of a pin first type strategy. And so if you, if you brought things down to that kind of level, you say, well, there's a real sort of differential in, in, in expertise. And you say, okay, well, let's take the same kind of core systems um, 
and take you know SP's learning or how do you how do you run an an, an SDK's you know software development kit first type strategy into a new system. Um, the MPP um, entity had a lot of experience, you know, with clusters um, and um, microservice type type architecture. So, how do we take the best of that into into the new systems, right? So we um, we, we we turned what would be a you know a, a potential conflict um, type situation into one of you know let's really work together and build like a really terrific platform. And that's mm-hmm. part of the logic that that went into that. The the other part is just engaging quite quite early with stakeholders, you know, shareholders and so on, saying, you know, we're right. going to do this and here's why, right? And and really sort of take them along with the journey as well, because they're going to say, well, how how how's the integration gone? Uh, so I think one message I'd have with with any you know, other ent- entrepreneurs which are running through a, a a merger type process is the real merger happens after all the agreements have done. Like how, how are you actually going to engage with stakeholders? How are you going to take them in a change journey? And then how are you going to make sure that this thing is a, 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 you know, a, a terrific experience and not a fearful one, right? That's because that's when you unlock the real opportunities. And when you cast your eye across the, the broader landscape, you look at some of the, you know, the prospect of further consolidation in the sector, maybe larger companies acquiring fintechs, what have you. Do you think the same logic applies there? Into, or to what extent can that tech be absorbed by the larger company? Um, well, the track record of, of large companies buying yeah. small companies has not been one that's of ter- exactly. you know, huge exactly. amounts of success. Yeah. Uh, but I think exactly the same dynamics applies, probably even more so, because in that acquisition time, um, type playing field, it's not quite often the acquirer believes that they're the, you know, the, the master, there's a master, there's a master and a, and a, yeah. and a student type relationship, right? Yeah. You know, we, 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 and if they approach that saying, well, we're acquiring this entity because they've got skills that we don't have, right? Yeah. And they, you know, they approach it with, with a level of sort of, um, you know, modesty and how do we get the best out of this? That's when it works. And it has worked before. We have seen large companies buying small companies and so on. Um, when we did the merger, we always, from the outset, talked about it as a merger. And it mm. wasn't just lip service. It was very much, this is a merger. And, and you know, re- really wanted to reinforce that because it comes back to a merger means everybody is contributing. It's not, I'm going to use my big power because I'm a billion-dollar corporation and come and acquire you because you're a small startup of, of 15 people, right? They, they've, they want to acquire them because those 15 people have created something that the billion-dollar can't. So mm. if, if there's a power dynamic, you're going to say, well, why, why couldn't the billion-dollar company do what the 15 people did? So they, it's, it's, it's much more about an, an approach rather than it is, you know, post-merger than it is, can this thing work or not? It can work. It's just what's the approach in... in in making it in making it work, and the risk, the risk I think is that the acquiring institution, the larger institution, doesn't alienate the people that they, um, you know, that that come on board from that other entity. Now, if it continues to be an exciting place, it's a great opportunity for them, because they've got more capital, they don't have to worry so much about mm-hmm. fundraising. They can take what they've been doing and have all all. All the benefits of a larger company, you know, balance sheet, market reach, you know, uh, scale systems, and all the rest, 
Um, and they can do the fun parts and get the benefits that they want, which is to be somewhat entrepreneurial and inventive and not get, you know, squished out from, from pure culture. Yeah. Uh, but the, the track record is not one, you know, that's, that approach is the exception rather than the norm. Um, but there have in history been entities that have been, you know, made it almost an art of, of acquiring smaller institutions, effectively integrating and getting all the benefits and more. So it, it can happen. Okay. In your case, it was a merger of equals. Um, so I'm not suggesting that it was that, that situation. But um, in terms of the balance sheet, you received recently investment. Yeah. So very, so I was very, very happy to get Crossfin on, on board. You know, they are a, a, not just an institutional investor, they are a specialist in the payment area. They've invested in a number of uh, successful businesses. Um, Crossfin itself is a you know South African mani- managed um, uh, fund um, with a number of other um, uh, yeah, you know um, entities, particularly in in South Africa, but but looking at Pan Africa um, entities that that roll out services to to merchants and so on. So they understand the payment space um, especially. Um, mm. So they were very happy to get them as as the lead investors, not 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 the only investors as part of this round, but particularly as as the lead investors. And they did a very thorough due diligence process, um, and very very happy to 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 be um, audited. It's maybe not the right word, and you know have have full independence assessments by by qualified third parties. Right? Um, Six entities, including EDC, um, as part of that uh, due diligence um, process, looking at things. So, it's it is getting Crossfin Plus going through such a thorough due diligence process. I think um, shows you know a real backing of what we're doing. You know where we are in the space as being you know leaders in the software space, but but also a backing that that um, that that the team, the managerial team, has got you know, the, the ideas and the, and the skills to be able to execute. And ultimately you can have all the ideas, but it's really about the execution. You know, can you, can right. you actually get things to work at the end of the day? And can you actually, you know, provide the solution to customers and they're willing to pay you for it, right? You know, it's, it's about value in the eyes of the customer. So getting, um, you know, getting the, the investment from, from Crossfin is, it's always great to get money in the bank. Mm-hmm. But but for me, it's it's a lot of it. It is about the the endorsement and and particularly with such a thorough due diligence process that uh, um, it really does help. So so now you let's t- let's move on to the the, the second topic around uh, the the opportunity essentially as you as you see it. And as obviously you're now in a good position as a new company with further backing, looking at the opportunity. Can you perhaps just describe to me at a high level, right, and then we can kind of go in, zoom in into the um, detail. What you see as the opportunity for your company? So, you know, first and foremost, the the opportunity is within um, SoftPass itself. So, as a, right. just as a as a reminder, that's the payment acceptance on 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 the mobile phone. But when we were looking at you know post merger, you know, what is our mission? Our mission is is determined to be solution of choice for money on the move. So. What we've what we've understood is our real value add is is being able to secure that mobile channel, like you know, because we were experts on security. You know, in, at an abstract level, the, the payment is really a, a message from the mobile phone um, that's you know interacting with the card and then going to mm. to the back end. But that the underlying you know value is 
being able to secure that message, you know, and, and send it to the back, right? So we've widened, um, uh, you know, what we're looking at when we're providing SoftPass and SoftPass-related services to customers. So what I mean by SoftPass-related services is things like authentication. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody needs to prove who they are, but they don't want to do a payment. Well, we can use the same technology and say, well, you know, tap your card, enter your PIN, and then we have that same authentication of which will create a payment actually allows somebody to authenticate themselves. Or, you know, somebody's bought a ticket with a, with a, with a, with a credit card yeah. and, you know, we can almost run an e-ticketing system, you know, which is when they go somewhere else is, you know, here's my ticket. It's the card that I used. And that doesn't actually have to be a physical card. It could be their own phone, right? With, uh, with, uh, with Google pay or, 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 or the rest. So we've, we've taken a view, um, that's, that's that's wider that says, okay, it's, it's soft pass at its core, right. but let's think about, you know, not just, you know, the pure technology, but let's think about it in use cases, right? So that it's, 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 it's widened a little, a little bit wi- wider than just, um, than just, you know, straight, straight soft pass. Um, this is playing into what we see in the market because the, yeah. the, the use of soft pass by some of our customers is is far greater than some of our other customers because it is a product that needs careful implementation into a use case. It can't just be, well, let's just blast out this thing to everybody and then everybody's going to use it. Um, it's not that kind of product. It's, it's, it's for those use cases where it lends itself, particularly when it's in somebody's workflow. So okay. um, let's, yeah. use, let's use examples. So we've got a delivery company. A delivery company has got their own apps. And so they've got their drivers. The drivers log in and they do things. But then what happens is they need to take a payment. Well, what happens now is they either can't take a payment, in which case you get all the invoicing and all the paperwork that works like that, which just mm. doesn't help anybody. What would be much better is they get a payment. So those that have been pay, pay, payment equipped have been carrying around you know, bricks, which is these, these terminals. And then what happens is, you know, those slips have to get transferred and moved around. And then some, some, some accounting department somewhere then has to try and reconcile payments to invoices. Mm-hmm. Well, if, if they can take that same delivery app that they've got and they take, they take what we've got, which is sort of that card acceptance and they put it, we take our SDK and we put it into their application. Then, then we integrate it into the workflow. So when we, when we get it, when they're taking a payment, it's automatically reconciled. We know exactly what invoice is being paid mm. because everything is, it, all the information is tied together, right? So we, we assist customers in those kind of implementations. So we're trying to take it beyond, you know, simply he has a, he has a terminal, right? That's been done. That was done, you know, three, four years ago. Where it's not much more now about helping customers really look at how do we take this technology and make it, on, you know, how we brand it as being, you know, every merchant app should be a payment app. How do you take that underlying mm. capability and put it into, into entities' workflows, right? So that's, that's basically where, uh, where the opportunity is and, and where the sort of state of the art is right now. Yeah, I mean, I think we're, we're seeing a kind of the next phase of fintech, right, if, if you like, um, around that deeper integration into business processes and, and workflows, as you mentioned, greater emphasis on automation of business processes. Um, yeah. 
and and payment is part of that, really. Yeah, I mean, we we we've done soft pass because it's the hardest. Um, so if you take you know other other entities, you know there are a lot of providers of money, you know mobile money type solutions, QR type solutions. Um, there's a lot of providers of ones that have click what they you know click to pay where they you complete an a card not present transactions. So that's, you know, when you log into a site and you say, okay, I want to buy those things. And then you mm-hmm. enter your card details on the site. That's what we call a card not present or an yeah. e-com transaction, e-commerce transaction. The, the benefit of a, of a soft post transaction on the card side is that it is card present. It's exactly the same as putting it in a terminal, right? So you don't get the same sort of rejection rates from a merchant point of view that you would get. And from a customer point of view, it's much better because you don't get this you SMS to your phone and then you have to try and work it out and all the rest. If, if you need to enter a pin, you enter a pin and then that's the end of it. Um, so it's a much better user journey. But why I say we start with, with SoftPass because it's the hardest is it's very easy for us to add to the channels into that solution because QR is very simple. Mm-hmm. Ecom is also quite simple. So in our mission of being, you know, solution of choice of money on the move, as I mentioned, it's wider now. So yeah. it's, 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 we have it as a core, that sort of core capability, that hardest one, which is card present with PIN. That's the hardest thing to achieve. And then we're adding effectively, you know, the, the lower hanging fruits. So, um, you know, merchant groups or, or, or customers, um, you know, acquirers that, that come to our services will be able to say, Okay, you know, we we want soft pass, but we also want a hardware terminal, and we want to be able to take you know e com transaction. Okay, then they can talk to us, and we'll say, okay, through the same platform, you get the same data visibility, you get everything, and you get all those channels, or you can pick and choose which channels you want, right? So, um, so starting with soft pass, you know, it, it was done because it's the hardest one. Right. But if you can climb Everest, then you can also climb, you know, much smaller mountains. So why don't we climb those and add them into the stack, right? So, so the scope of the new platform and product that, that I, d- I was describing is not only, you know, how do we do soft post really well, which is what we've done, but how do we actually generalize what we're doing and, and sort of making it wider in increments? So, you know, in the roadmap is things like uh, like ecom. It's not there yet, but QR is 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 baked in. You know, terminals are are, are basically there. Um, so you know, customers can can they don't have to pick and say, okay, I want a soft post provider. Now I have to go and get a hardware provider, and then a, you know, you come to us and you can get all of them, and then we'll re- we'll route the transaction wherever the customer wants it to go. And is this, I mean, to what extent is this playing to expectations around the further merging of retail sales channels? You know, the sort of unification of channels. Is that um, what you're seeing and what you're what you're looking to address? Uh, there's unification of channels everywhere. And right. if one, one thinks about it, you know, the, the 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 macro version of that is really about unification of information. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I described that situation of the drivers where, you know, they've got invoices and then they've got their own app delivery app and then they've got payments and then somebody has to reconcile. It's, it's the reconciliation is the problem is in, you know, all the information exists, but it exists in a way that the reconciliation is very difficult. And if you have to unwind it, it becomes also quite difficult. You know, let's say the goods were faulty. Like, how do we unwind it? You know, you have to issue credit notes on the one channel and you have to do this thing and then you have to somebody has to run around and, and create a refund on on the other so it creates a lot of complexity and the rest of the things 
So uni- uni- at an abstract unification of channels um, really means unification of information. And we see that in, in a number of different industries. We see open, open banking uh, as a logic, which is you know, access to information, access to that underlying information. Our view on the information is we will help, we will help entities do the transaction, but not only that, have the data so that they can integrate it with other channels. Now we're not going to build, you know, databases so that we own all the customers' data. Mm-hmm. Our method is to have, you know, the systems so that they can get on demand the information that they need in order to integrate into their own systems. Right? Uh, we're also specialists on integrations, so so you know, payment type integrations, but but also API type integrations. We've had a um, um, a life insurance company using using our solution where we're in, we're part of the full payment flow that that full integration yeah. where the agent is getting a customer's policy information being able to create a new policy you know, renew a policy take the payment and then in the same channel the the information on, we we push through an API updates to that customer's policy information on 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 the insurer's servers right so we're not just taking the payment we're making sure that the whole transaction all the way through ends up as as a fully completed policy on the insurer's systems. And then the customer gets an SMS directly from the insurer saying, you know, your insurer's, your, your policy is up to date, right? So there's no, you know, dropping in this kind of system because all pieces of the channel, all pieces of the information have been tied together and there's full reconciliation, automated reconciliation at, at, at the insurer. So, you know, stepping back and these, these merging of channels, you know, I, I like to see it as a, as, a, as a merging of information flows, you know, kind of assisting in that, in that integration. So we've made it um, in our systems, you know, quite easy for customers to get their data and we'll provide it in whatever information forms that they want so that they can do that easy integrations uh, on their side. Okay, I've got two more questions um, before we wrap up. Uh, first of all, on the implementation side and secondly on the security side i'm really dying to talk a bit about mpoc the mpoc standard and your involvement uh, in that um but before we get on to that topic perhaps we just expand a bit more on the implementation and the complexities around implementing uh, soft pause so uh it is akin to climbing everest um it's it's an extremely difficult thing to do because these these devices mobile phones first of all there's not just one there's lots, and um, and there's obviously the name brands, you know, Samsung and, and so on. But there's a lot of small, you know, brands which run um, Android uh, systems. So when designing a you know a SoftPost platform for Android, we have to take into account a lot of different you know types of devices which have not been designed from the ground up to be able to be at payment levels of security. So we can't, it's not a case of, you know, just read the card and off you go. This is a case of we have to implement um, not just one layer, but multiple layers of security to protect the cardholder's data on that phone. Um, so we have to make sure that the phone's not rooted, that um, the phone is not running spyware at the time that we're trying to do it, that it's trying to grab the screen during pin entry, that there's another application that's looking at the memory. So we have to really do a lot of activities to 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 do whatever we possibly can on on a phone to protect that cardholder data. 
What that does mean is when we implement it, there's a small percentage of devices, usually because somebody's rooted their phone, that our system will just say, you know what, this, this, this phone's too insecure. We're not going to run. We're not going to allow a transaction to complete. Mm. So we find that in sort of, it's less than 1% of devices, but those are typically rooted devices. And we will detect that and we'll just basically shut down saying, you know, you can't, you can't run. It's not, it's not a safe environment. And what, um, what, sorry, so we, what does rooted mean? Rooted is where the, the owner of that phone yeah. has jumped through a number of hoops to go and, and get a very deep access. So if you bought a phone, you don't get this deep access. And you're allowed to, if you get deep access, then you can allow to change applications, monitor what's going on. You get a whole bunch of additional rights. It's like having administrative rights on a, on a, on a Windows PC. So you run it as a user, a standard user, our system will run perfectly. If you've got the equivalent of those administrative lights, but on, in, right. in the Android context, then our system will, will pick that up. Mm. Uh, so there's a number of you know, different types of systems like Frida and, um, and, and other, other systems as well as third-party malware. Sometimes the user doesn't even realize that they've got deep malware in their phone, and then they wonder why the transaction doesn't work. And, and part of the reason is, is because their phone's been compromised. So we've done a, a, a significant amount of work on protecting, you know, cardholder data, those, so, so somebody's cards uh, information in that phone. And it's not just us. We, we take all that code and all the testing and we give it to an independent lab and they, they pour over everything, the implementation, how we've done it. We provide them even source code so that they can look at the source code they can recompile it, they can test it, they can use all their, and these are skilled hackers, you know, all the techniques and tools that they have to try and break our software. So it doesn't roll out to customers or end users until it's gone through this very rigorous uh, testing process. And that's one of the ingredients into getting, you know, the, the, the PCI certifications that we get in order to, to run systems like this. The latest PCI one you mentioned, which is mm. the MPOC one. So the, the PCI MPOC standards, MPOC is mobile payment on COTS. COTS is just a fancy name, meaning phones, um, but think of it as phones and, and, and tablets. Um, but it's your standard, you know, what they call off-the-shelf, consumer off-the-shelf um, uh, devices. So it's uh, mobile payments on COTS. Uh, it's the latest standard from PCI that really governs, you know, what are the, what are the requirements by companies like us in order to develop systems to allow card acceptance on a, on a mobile phone. So as you can imagine, the requirements are huge. The standard itself runs into something like 250 pages. Um, and, you know, not, not double, not, not sing, 250 page single site, single nope. spacing uh, print. Uh, and it goes into immense details about, you know, key sizes, implementations, how you do things, and every single one of those requirements then get tested as part of that certification process. So when I mentioned earlier, you know, we start with SoftPass because it's the Everest, right? It's the hardest. Um, this is actually what I mean. Perfect. Well, absolutely fascinating speaking to you today, um, Barry. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and just to close off and wrap up, you know, what, what's, what's next for my pin pad? What can we expect? Or what are your plans for the next few years? So that, you know, the, I've given maybe a little bit of a way, which is, you know, where our, our mission is to be um, 
you know, the, the, the solution of choice for money on the move. And we're expanding, we're kind of taking soft passes that route and then we're expanding the services across. So what you'll expect to see is, you know, more and more services being provided um, by us to, to, to customers. And what we're getting is we seem to be signing up some of the largest entities in the world, acquiring entities in the world. We, you know, we're, we're now on millions of devices where we obviously want to expand that significantly more. Um, we're looking at, um, at also widening our customer pool. I mentioned we're not just doing the payments, which, which lends itself to the acquiring institutions and payfax, but also, you know, banks, uh, for the authentication solution and, and transport for, uh, for, for, for the verification, uh, uh, solution. So we're, we've, we're hard at work, you know, developing the marketing packs and, and the engagements and, and so on with, uh, with a number of different uh, groups, um, really about you know how do we how do we add payments into into the things that they already do? Um, we want to really just be kind of specialist in this area and provide them really easy to use tools um, and the, and a security wrapped SDK that's very easy to implement that they can basically take, include in their workflow. We can help help them do that. Um, and you know, develop new use cases, and then ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, drive, um, you know, drive uh, a lot of the, the the kind of financial inclusion that 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 we want to do as part of this process. And actually, final question in terms of your go to markets: I mean, Are you going? Are you selling direct, or are you going through partners? Or what's your approach to distribution? So we do have some. We do have some 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 kind of agents and so on, and we've got our own sales force. What's what's been quite key. Um, I think has been our relationship with 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 the schemes, you know, particularly Visa and, and Mastercard, but also uh, Discover as well. And it's it's nice it's nice to have that sort of relationship because they do help um, you know refer third parties that are interested in what we do to us, right? They don't only there's not an exclusivity type arrangement; they refer other com companies as well. But but the feedback is you know where where very much the leaders in the space right now, um, and then they they cooperate quite a lot. So, for example, uh, our, um, we created a, a a demo app for charity use, which is now being shown in in Visa's uh, innovation labs around the world. So that's that's quite fun. Um, so we also use the, the the kind of the scheme and and co-develop solutions with uh, with with schemes to take it to market because you know, they know that we can produce. Um, you know, a reliable product that they, you know, that they can recommend, um, not officially recommend, but at least they don't feel mm -hmm. bad about introducing customers to us. So they, they can't officially recommend, but they don't feel, they feel that they can pass on, um, uh, you know, the introductions and then we'll take care of them. So, um, so that, that is a, um, a go-to market has been extremely helpful for us. Um, so we work quite closely with the, with the, with the, with the schemes. Um, but we also work with some, you know, switches, intermediate partners, and so on. And by all means, you know, entities which have, um, you know, services to a number of different banks in an area, you know, quite happy that we we can provide them a solution, and then they can they can provide it to their customers on uh, mass as well. Right. So we're not picky from 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 that point of view. We'll we'll deal with anybody who's looking to to ready roll out. Um, soft pass or these related services so um how can the uh, listeners uh, find you 
that was the best way of making content? The best is to go to the website, which is mypinpad.com. Um, oh, you could also look me up, um, personally up on LinkedIn. Uh, so I'm at, at Barry Levet, uh, B-A-R-R-Y-L-E-V-E-T-T. Um, and you can connect to connect with me there or take a look at the website and click through to, to, to make contact. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And uh, we'll speak again soon. Thanks so much for your time, Martin. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. To hear more interviews, please do subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your podcast platform of choice. It helps and means a lot. Also, I welcome any questions, ideas, or suggestions. So feel free to make contact and say hello. Reach out to me on LinkedIn or at edgardunn.com. You can send me a message there. Or you can email me on martin.coderish at edgardunn.com. I look forward to hearing from you and I will see you next time.